Payback Time is a podcast about building businesses, wealth, and financial freedom. We try to uncover the challenges our guests faced, the mistakes they made, and the steps they took to achieve their goals. The overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to your own success. Sean Tepper is your host. Are you ready? It's payback time. My next guest started investing in ETFs and, as he gained confidence, began investing in individual stocks. Over the last eight years, his returns have outperformed the market, generating an average of 20% per year. In this episode, he shares what he looks for in the financials, what he looks for in businesses, some of his top performing stocks, and how many stocks he holds in his portfolio. Please welcome Sammy Ellard King. Sammy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. So why don't you kick us off and tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so um, I'm originally a hospitality marketeer. So I've done about 10 years now in the industry, probably 11, give or take. You always skip COVID, yeah. And I have been an investor for about eight years as well. And then very recently, um, I have started my own business and that's called Up The Gains. And we it came out of need really um for me it was a kind of a an, an interesting interesting opening to a, to a business i never really thought about ever doing anything like this but hospitality is quite an unforgiving industry and you kind mm. of you know, you're only as good as your yesterday's take and you're always worrying about the next day and you're know, you going to have enough stock and are people going to turn up? And, you know, sure. it doesn't fulfill me with the same amount of joy that it did in my 20s, let's say. <laughs> like, mm. you know, you could party and drink for free if you own the venue, so it was kind of cool. But, um, yeah, so now we're, we're obviously moving into Up The Gains, which is a financial freedom business. Okay. So I just want to touch on your hospitality business just to give a little more context. Yeah, and then sure. learn about your business, this Up Your Gains, is that correct? Up the Gains, yeah. Up the Gains, got it. We'll dive into that. And then we'll really get into your investment journey. I've got a bunch of questions here for you. So hospitality marketing business, is it like an agency mm. or something? No. So I um, so I basically work for pretty much most of the big restaurant chains and bar chains here in the UK. I've um, mm. I've dotted about a bit. I've worked for about four or five um, over the course of 10 years. I was the youngest head of marketing in the industry in the UK at 25. So I kind of came out of university. I'd set up my own business when I was in university. I didn't spend my student loan um, like everybody else. I kind of I set up uh, an events night, basically booking musicians that I thought were cool because um, I come from quite a music called background my whole family uh, is in the music industry my granddad owns jazz clubs my dad runs venues my mum runs venues so i've kind of grown up in this in this world um which is kind of why i fell into it right because it just felt like home to me um yeah i've worked mainly for bars and restaurant groups um but now i'm a co-owner of uh, a company where we own street food markets we have a couple of music venues and bars within london Gotcha. Okay. So you've got that business kind of sustaining revenue. It sounds like it requires some time, but you got a partner and you, you got a team so you can create some kind of leverage there. Yeah. Um, yep. That's that's awesome. Okay. Good to hear. And now you're I'm actually on your site, how upthegains.co.uk. Yeah. Listeners will promote this at the end, end of the show as well. But tell us about this business a little bit. 
Yeah. So as I was saying before, I kind of, I started investing about eight years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. I was deep in debt. I had about $30,000 worth of debt plus student loans. So if you pack that in all together, it was about 70 odd thousand Mm -hmm. of debt. Um, So quite a big chunk, um, especially in your sort of mid twenties. And then it really, some of my friends are really good and they're really they do well in business, let's say, for example, they're good in the stock market, they're entrepreneurs themselves. And they kind of basically took this kind of conversation on a beach in Vietnam, basically, we'd gone traveling together. And I'd actually taken a credit card out to get there. And then it all poured out to him on the beach that I was like deep in debt, and I didn't know what to do. And he sat me down and he said this one thing to me, which will live with me for forever. Um, He said to me, when do you want to retire? And I said, oh, you know, at least a minimum by 50. He said, oh, cool. And, uh, you know, how long do you want to live for? And I said, oh, you know, it'd be nice to sort of hit 80. And he said, how much do you spend a year at the moment? And I said, oh, this amount. And he said, well, times that number by 30. Have you got that amount? And I said, no. And he went, and then suddenly, and it just struck with me, it just stuck in my head and I couldn't get it out. And this was that Kickstarter I need. So I came back and I jump into everything that I could do with you know, all walks of my life. And I was like, let's go. How do I get out of debt? What's the fastest way? Like I read everything I could get my hands on debt management, you know, financial freedom books. There was a, you know, some really great online audible courses that I did as well. And I went for it. And in 24 months I was investing, I was out of debt. I, I literally hammered mm. home. And, um, but all while that was sort of pursuing a, a, you know, quite a successful hospitality career, which was taking off for me. Um, so my income was helping supplement the debt, which helped me get along the way a lot quicker than, you know, perhaps it would have if I'd have sort of just stuck at the same job. Not, and if you know, I was quite ambitious, I really wanted to go for it. Um, so, yeah, and that kind of led to investing. And I started, obviously, my friends and family sort of started taking note that I was doing these things and I started helping them. So sisters, mums, you know, mum's friend down the road, that type of thing, who was interested in it. It was kind of like, oh, Sammy will help you, that type of thing. And it kind of was like that for years. Then the pandemic hit, every world the world in the world got shut down, everyone was furloughed and had all this cash sitting there. And they all wanted to put it into the markets and put it into work, right? So I set up this uh this WhatsApp group with about 12 people. Um, and in about a month, it had gone to 246 people, which was the maximum you could get on a WhatsApp group. Um, and it was literally like, I had to like start a waiting list. It was ridiculous. And I was, I mean, it kept me busy. It was great because, uh, you know, I was furloughed like uh, half of the hospitality industry was here in the UK. And then I just suddenly realized that like, these questions that I was getting through and I was sending them links to certain sites and I was reading these sites and I was looking at them and I was going, that's really difficult to understand, especially for someone who doesn't understand the stock markets, you know, just these retail investors like you and I, like we're jumping into the markets. How are they going to break that down? Because that's full of jargon and it's really tough to get your head around. So I was like, you know, I started writing and I started thinking, right, cool. I'm going to put these kind of little thought pieces together. And I started dropping thought pieces into the group and they were getting really good traction. And I was like, hang on, there's a business here. So I went through every little financial website that I could find going, all the finance blogs, which I thought were cool. And I took down what they did well, did a little pros and cons Mm -hmm. audit on them. And then basically put together this monster content plan and like birthed the brand and up the gains and went for it. So we were starting out with beginners, but then we realized quickly that especially 
with these guys like one thing is these you know a lot of these people in the group were jumping head to first and kind of having that chat of like what's the hot stock now what's the hot stock now mm-hmm. and i was like no, no 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 that's not how you do it but they didn't want to think like that um so we kind of was like actually we need to look at this from a personal finance spectrum it started out as an investing like mm-hmm. kind of content plan but then it's really gone into the whole personal finance spectrum right through to budgeting saving and then and then once you've done that and nailed that into investing so we kind of take our people on the journey smart right through um so yeah that's that's up the gains that thank you for the context there in the business model i'm looking on the site i see it looks like you've got different articles it's a blog you've got a a shop Um, yeah are these different courses people can purchase is that correct so what we're going to do, we're going to basically work organically build up the audience base, which has been growing astronomical numbers. We've been hitting like 100% month to month growth since about three months ago. Um, so we're up to sort of 10,000 readers a month, which is amazing. Um, so we, and the growth plans are, you know, we're, we're putting up new content every single day. Um, you know, I work closely with a couple of friends of mine that have experience within the stock market or the crypto world and they're helping with the content on this website so we're kind of me him and 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 another friend are all sort of you know tripoding the content for this once we get it up to a level that we're happy with we have started creating investor for beginners courses crypto beginner courses etc which we will launch onto the site um but it kind of needs to be an organic process i think we're about sort of six to eight months Mm -hmm. away from launching those um but yeah that's that definitely courses ebooks planners digital products that people can download and utilize to sort out their household budgets we actually have a household budget out now um you know it's the plan is really kind of to be the go-to space especially within the uk where you want to change your life and kind of completely rebirth your relationship with money so that's that's the idea God, that that really gives me a great idea of the type of content um, myself or my audience can check out really the A to Z personal finance. I love the emphasis on here's how to get out of debt. I'm sure you've got some articles and content (laughs) on that specific. But then as you kind of graduate to another level, how do you make your money work for you? How do you invest? So, Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fun. The big um, bit. <laughs> let's let's dive into your journey a little bit more. You said you started investing about eight years ago, so that was about yeah. 2013 or 14. Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. I um I had a lot of fun at the start. I mean, it was I read uh, Peter Lynch, mm-hmm. and that was it. I was like, right, let's go. And it was <laughs> it was all like blue chip and and value investing okay. that I could possibly get my hands into. Really, so I absolutely loved it, but. I kind of got into, I, I, I never was, a, I've never been a big advocate of crypto. I just don't like the risk. Um, right. For me, it's it, it, it's way too dangerous. And I'm about kind of building generational wealth. I'm not about let's make $500 tomorrow. Um, right. So that's the way I look at it. Um, so I, I actually was quite safe during my early years. A lot of ETFs, a lot of blue chips, and yeah. just kind of really got myself going and saw the growth. And now I'm a little bit more risky because I, I back then I didn't even know what I was doing. You know, I didn't even know what a PE ratio was. I couldn't even tell you, you know, these basic terminologies or how to assess a company's fundamentals. I had no idea. So yeah, it was kind of cool. It's kind of fun. It was kind of mm-hmm. a bit nerve wracking as well. I was like, am I going to lose all my money tomorrow? Is the stock market going to crash? But you know, I love business. I love economics. I love politics. So 
reading about all these things and then how they were actually affecting these stocks. And I started to see patterns of uh, evolving. Um, and now, yeah, now I'm a fully French individual stock picker. You know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> nice. We'll get, we'll get into that and your strategy. We'll dive into a little bit further here, but our audience loves to hear what kind of dollar amount did you first start with when you got into the market? Uh, that's a good question. So here in the UK at that time, we didn't really have any digital apps based commission based systems. So um, you, I used Harvey's Lansdowne, which back then, even now, actually, it, it was it, it was less. So now it's more. It was five ninety nine just to place place a trade. So mm-hmm. if you, the first trade I did was one hundred and fifty because I didn't want to give away six percent if I was putting a hundred. You're immediately six percent down, right? You've yep. got to then make that back. So I didn't want to do that. Um, so yeah, it was a. Uh, $150 investment and I bought the Vanguard All Share Index. So that was like a, <laughs> it was a huge, huge big deal for me. So sure, sure. Your first investment. I love that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it was all off the back of uh, A Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins, that book here. I was like, you know, he was just banging on about buy the Vanguard total, buy the Vanguard total, and you'll be forever thankful. And I was like, okay, well, I have to do that. I've read the book. Like, let's start with sure. that. Uh, so yeah. So that's why you got into the Vanguard uh, investment there. Now, let's dive into your strategy today. You said you really love looking at the fundamentals. You're a value investor. You probably look at the business a little bit. So why don't you break down your strategy for us? Yeah. So I I look at growth, year on year growth. Like that for me is massive. And so I'm huge on my cloud and fintech. Like I just really, really enjoy it. And so I'm all about innovation. Um, a company doesn't necessarily have to be profitable for me. It has to be posting growth and show a clear pathway to profitability. But I'm a big fan of of, of the moat. You know, everybody always goes on about it. But, you know, I think a business which I love right now is taking an absolute beating is Upwork. And I think it's, an, I think it's mm. a really interesting play. Um, AI lending, I think it's smart. If, if it manages to do what it does, it's going to be the only one within that space succeeding. So just sure. that pathway for it is huge. The growth could be, you know, exponential. So I look at these things. I'm not the one that sort of goes down and, you know, what's the debt to equity ratio versus its peers. I, I, I'm, I don't do that because I just, you know, I, I get people that do it. And, I, I, you know, I do read these types of, you know, these types of articles. But for me, when I pick a stock, I like to look at the growth. I like to look at their profit margins and I like to look at their moat. And if those three things are really kind of nailing it for me, then, you know, that's Good. a winner. I, I love your strategy and thank you. you. You hit on something that I love talking about is you get a lot of analysts out there and they play all day with the numbers, but they don't yeah. talk about the business or the moat or the management at all. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're going to focus on PDE ratio, debt to equity, you mentioned, and then we're going to talk about the market cap and then make our decision. It's like, how does yeah. that make any sense whatsoever? <laughs> you know, there's yeah. so many different metrics out there and then yeah. everyone has their own like, oh, the, if you compare that with that against five years ago against that peer and it's down at the moment, you're like, dude, come on. Like, is, yeah. is the company growing you know, Microsoft yep. just posted like 32% growth year on year. That's ridiculous. Like that's a company that's growing. It's mm-hmm. got a moat. It will continue to grow. So that should be a part of your portfolio, you know, but you can yep. kind of utilize that across many different. You had a guy on the other day that only does penny stocks. I found that super interesting. And he was, yes. 
he but he was looking at these different metrics and it was makes that, sense. Uh, was that Jaden? Jaden Sterling? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was super <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, that's that's some serious risk playing. But you know, he's oh, yeah. it. he's got it, he's got he's got his system and it works for him. So I don't I, I think it's like it, every investor is completely different, and everyone will tell you they've got their own system that works. And great, like we're all in the market. So at the end yeah. of the day, if you're buying, I'm buying stocks rising, right? So that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. With your strategy, you know, it's very similar to ticker. Like we look at the four M's, which we really, we got to give uh, Phil Town credit for that. He talks about the margin <laughs> of safety is kind of encompasses yeah. all the math and what you look at there, like your, your debt to equity and your consistent growth rate ticker is actually looking at all of that and more. So there's a lot of rigor and it's great because it's, it does that hard math for you like that in seconds. Yeah. You you know what you're looking for. And then it, we look at the meaning, moat, and management. I love your emphasis there on moat because a lot of people overlook that. Like I get a lot of customers coming to me and saying, hey, I want to buy this oil stock or or um, this consumer staple, like think of like a candy. And then I always yeah. raise a question, have you thought about the competition? Can you <laughs> name some of the competitors? Oh, yeah, yeah that, that's a that's a good point. And, and when you start talking <laughs> to the moat, you're like, yeah, it's really easy to create sweets and treats. There's not a lot of moat there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then I, I wrote about this great analogy the other day, like right now, what we're going through, you know, Upwork, I bought in at 104 is 38 right now. So, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, it's not that great, but um, these things happen and they're cycles. But you, this is why I talk about value investing too, because... Uh, I think it's important to have a, a balanced portfolio. So right now, and I'll I'll rebalance based on where we are in the market cycle. So, mm-hmm. for example, right now, you know, I'm happy to hold J and J. I'm happy to hold P and G because sure. these types of companies, right? Like if we're going into a recession, you might not buy those new Bose headphones, but you're damn sure going to buy shampoo. And you're mm. damn sure going to buy Colgate toothpaste, right? Yes. So like, let's face it, these are things you need to survive. So they're not going to yep. go anywhere and they're going to continue posting their three to 5% year on year growth gains. Yep. And that is awesome because right now, like you're seeing some of these growth names get pummeled 60, 70% and yep. they're great companies. So, you know, it is important because it's a it, that balanced risk approach well, that you can move based on where the market cycles are. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in 2020, I was heavy growth stocks. I'm not so much now, but I still have 30, 40% in some of these sort of fun companies, which I think yep. are going to do well over 10 years. Not this, not, they're not, they might not smash it next year, but that 10 years sure. time, these hopefully going to be winners, right? So that's the way we look at it. So with your tech stocks and some of your riskier stocks, it sounds like you're not buying as much now. You're kind of turning your attention towards more uh, conservative, safer businesses. Is that correct? Well, I think it's like if you're skimming off the top, when these companies were three, four hundred percent, some of them are up like, you know, I'm taking my money, some of the money that especially the original stakes off the table and leaving it in a cash position waiting for something to happen. So I think that's really important to do. So when this market started dropping, yes, I was seeing those companies from, but I also had cash to put to work. 
in other yeah. aspects in, in other aspects so you know i am a big fan i put, i take my my salary every single month i split it down the middle and half goes into my sip and half goes into my stocks and shares isa and nice. you know my, my you know the sips are for um, for yep. 1k for you guys right so exactly the same thing you know i put uh, long index on everything in the sip don't bother with individual stock picking and then my stocks and shares isa you know have a little bit more fun with a bit more of a kind of 60 40 high to medium sure. risk approach really so because sure. this is that's what's going to make, make me money that might let me retire tomorrow yes. <laughs> i can't really touch that money because i'm not old enough so it's like you know you kind of got to add the, up the the two um so yeah that's what i do that's that's awesome and now that's one of the questions down the line here is what percentage sounds like 50 percent you're investing that i like the sip um, i'm curious with that are you getting a match at all like an employee mat or employer match Oh right, yeah. So, the, um, so that's actually completely separate. So we okay. have here in the UK, we have what's called an employer pension rate. So mm-hmm. you ha- you have to contribute. You can sign out, but you would never do that because you put three percent of your monthly salary in, and uh, but your employer has to match that with five percent. So that's five percent free money every single time you get paid each month that goes into uh, an automatic pension pot. So we have companies like Nest or the People's Pension, and that gets immediately invested into the into the All Share Index for you. Most of them are in the Vanguard All Share sure. Index, and that just sits there. You're not allowed to touch it. You can, when you move companies, close down that pension and then move that money into your own SIP, which is what yep. I do do. Um, so I can keep control of it myself. But right now I just have my normal company pension running, you know, even though mm-hmm. um, even though I own the business, I still pay myself the pension because, you know, yeah, it's a business, right? Um, so at the end of the day, that yeah, so that's how that's how it works. So you kind of get eight, you put 8% really of your monthly wage away and then i actually then put a lot more of that away so i'm probably at the moment balanced out probably put about 30 some months 25 percent of salary away into investment nice okay let's take a quick commercial break imagine this you've been putting money away for years if not decades with the hopes to retire someday But at the average rate of 6%, you realize you have to work another 5 to 10 years longer than expected. Not fun. And this is actually reality for a lot of people. An article from CNBC stated that in order for most millennials to retire by age 65, they have to start saving 50% of their paycheck or they'll continue working into their 70s and 80s. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be working well into my 70s if I don't have to. I want to enjoy freedom freedom to spend more time with family, friends, traveling, and picking up new hobbies. In fact, I want to retire early, and I think most of you would agree. The problem is a 6% return just won't cut it. But did you know a 15% return can cut your retirement timeline nearly in half? Question is, how do you generate a 15% return in the market? Introducing Ticker a software that helps beginner and experienced investors manage their own investments. I've been using Ticker to generate between 15 and 50% per year, and some of our customers have come forward and mentioned that Ticker is not only helping them take control of their investments, but it's also helping them match and beat market returns. But don't take my word for it. Check out our Trustpilot reviews to see what people are really saying. Get started today with a free trial. Visit Ticker.com. That's T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-
Um, let's dive into what other stocks you hold. So Upwork is one. What else do you invest in? Oh, yeah. I um, So I own SoFi. Yeah. My sins, which but I think is a brilliant business. <laughs> I, this is this is the one I will bang on about the moat until I die. You know, I think this sure. is. Uh, I think Anthony Noto is a fantastic CEO and great operator, and some of the products and the way that they've pivoted from a student loan company into a you know a financial tech powerhouse that I think they're going to be. You know, they're very well set up for for exponential growth. But the reason why I actually bought them is because on the side of that business, everyone looks at SoFi and goes, "Yeah, great." You know, they the Rams. Stadium, but they actually own a uh, software company called Galileo on the side of that too. So if you look into the back end of Robinhood or um, or Monzo here in the UK, which is one of the biggest digital banks, they are powered off the Galileo software. Um, so, and there's tons of there. I think you've got a company called Dave as well. Is it Dave? Is there's 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 a good few. There's a lion. Lion, um, there's a lot of digital banks on on this system all over the world. And that business actually is going to earn them 10 times more money than SoFi could ever make. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And no, and it's completely discounted off the balance sheet and the stock price today. So this is why I'm a huge, huge fan of this. A business is like the discount levels of their business. Another one is overstock. So Overstock actually, um, furniture company, um, do do pretty, okay. you know, they're okay. They're pretty standard business. But on the side of that, they have a venture capitalist arm where they've invested in digital wallet systems, crypto uh, technology, blockchain technology, which, and those companies within that venture capitalist arm have been growing 200, 300% year on year. But that is not being fed back into the stock price. It's being totally discounted. So this is what I look for. I look for aspects of a business which are not reflected in stock price. Um, When you can find those types of businesses, if the stock price keeps getting beaten down, beaten down, I'm like looking at this like, hey, I've got a margin of safety of this other massive business here, yes. so I'm cool, right? So this is fine for me. I don't mind if the stock price drops. And in fact, I'm just going to keep buying because I know in five years, once these other businesses start really take off and people and analysts start going, oh, hang on a sec, where's that 300 million just come from? Oh, it's come from this. Let me look at that business. Oh, we need to analyze that. Oh, we need to put that into our price target. Suddenly, we're up here. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of businesses like that in the UK too. Um, I I like your strategy there. What we're talking about here, I would put under the meaning section of an analysis is you have a strong understanding of the business model and how it generates revenue. And what you just yeah. talked about there, I didn't know that about SoFi or Overstock is multiple streams of revenue underneath the same business. That's a really healthy sign. That's great. Yeah. Exactly. So even if the main business is failing, the other business is actually keeping right. it propped up, right? So, you know, so far is about six dollars. So I know last checked it, you know, might even be a bit lower than that today. Um, I just can't get my head around it. For me, it's like a twenty-three, twenty-four dollar stock, no problem once you put Gal- Galileo into the into the framework of sure. it. So depending on how they play that one out and whether or not where the, where they funnel that money. But Sofia is a hundred percent owner of that business. So I just find that fascinating. So that's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. 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 And, and in, here in the UK, you know, there's a lot of businesses like that. You know, one of the big ones for me is Marks and Spencer. 
Um, it's a retail chain network here in the UK. It's actually um, the biggest online clothing provider here in the UK. Um, not a lot of people know that. Um, the online clothing business is pretty much completely written off the stock price. And I can't get my head around that either. Um, mm. It was a company with a huge amount of debt. They've gone through a massive digital transformation. They're nailing it. They're hitting the numbers. Yep. Their growth numbers are going right up. So I got in at a really good price. And I'm planning to hold that because I'm looking at the business and I'm going, you're not counting what I'm seeing on the stock price versus that revenue that's coming in. So if you can find businesses like that, you know, the other ones are Royal Mail that have a European, um, which is our mailing, which is our FedEx, it's our FedEx. You know, they have a European business, which is absolutely killing it, but it's not in the stock price. It's just mad. So finding these businesses, that's value investing for me. It's that sure. they're operating at way below their value. And it's only a matter of time before someone cottons on. Yeah. Yeah, we're big on with ticker. We've got a point system that really looks at the overall strength of a stock. And then we nice. have margin of safety. You got to check two boxes in order to hit on sale. So you got to have a score of 10 or higher. 10 out of 20 is the current scoring system right now. We're launching the new version of ticker here in the next week. Our scoring system is going to switch to a 100 point scale. So oh, cool. a 50 point or higher just because... We have our score, which will go zero to 100. We'll have our margin of safety, which will go zero to 90, 90%. So circling nice. back here, you got to have a score of 10 or higher or soon yeah. to be 50 or higher, and then a margin of safety of 50% or higher. That's amazing. Yeah. So it, it lines up those two. And if you got two boxes checked, then you get on sale. And then we'll have a 4M analysis, which kind of walks you through how to look at the margin of safety. It does it for you. Then it helps you with the meaning, moat, and management. We even tie into or help you utilize uh, Glassdoor for the um, oh, cool. management side because there's a correlation there with employees that work like working at a company. There seems to be a higher performance in the stock price. There's, I remember an investor talked about that, which is pretty cool. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I think it's wonderful what you guys are doing, like having those kind of tools mm -hmm. available, especially to a retail investor that perhaps doesn't necessarily have the experience or even the want as well to have that mm -hmm. experience. That's a big thing, right? You know, people are busy, man. It's, it's you know, yeah. you, can't, you can't expect everyone to sit there and start reading, you know, Apple's earnings reports <laughs> from 2016 versus, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, don't do it. Just use a tool like, you, you know, you guys have created that you feel mm -hmm. comfortable and that you trust and, you know, if it starts giving you good results, then yeah. happy days. So that's the way I see it. You know, there are a lot of tools out there right now. Um, sure. That's what I'm, we're a big fan of talking about these opportunities and these tools, which can sort of take that stress away from you and just allow you to be an investor without having mm -hmm. to do all of the hard work. Like, Yeah, right. Like nobody wants to learn. It's like learning a different language, looking at these financial statements and and discerning things. So yeah, it really is. But for geeks like me, you know, I really enjoy it. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wanted to share the context here because I always love when somebody mentions a few stocks, I like to um, mention how are they performing in ticker? So here's a quick rundown. Oh, cool. I'm looking at Overstock. Yeah, Overstock has its on sale. It's got a 10 out of 20 and a All margin right. of safety at 80%, which means share price today is 33, but sticker price is 168. So a lot of upside Ooh. potential. That's yeah, good. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, I like I have, a, I have a TP of 158, so not far. So that's good. Okay, not, not far. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
SoFi, love what you said about the business model, probably adding it to my watch list, but in ticker right now, it's a score of nine and a margin of safety of 14. So a slight, some upside potential, but not as much. Again, I don't don't think it's in your case, I wouldn't give up on it. The business model, (laughs) excuse me, here really checks the box. And, And then Upwork, it's got a five out of 20 and a margin of safety of 1%. So that's the weakest Ooh, of the bunch. Wow. Worth, okay. yeah, worth keeping How an eye on. How far does take a look ahead? What, what, what's the five, sort of margin? We, we go five years back. We look at over 50 data points. Oh, nice. So, so we're looking at, I'll just rattle them off here. We look at the revenue, net income, and then EPS on the income statement. Yep. Then the cash flow statement, we look at free cash flow. And then on the balance sheet, we look at assets, liabilities, debt, and equity. Ooh, and so, we, yep, we take all those points, go five years back and look at the year over year growth between each. And our, our platform, this is what really makes us, one reason why we're different is it's all open source. So the yeah. calculations you can see on ticker.com, it's all free. You could You could literally take it and go create your own version of ticker of course we always tell people please please stay with us but you can always go go. (laughs) you can certainly go create your own version yeah so yeah yeah that's great that's great yeah so yeah i i think uh of the three even though overstock is the best rated in ticker i still say sofi business model wise is i i tend to lean towards because i own mostly tech and a lot of enterprise tech and you've got that enterprise play the transaction fee element that is so scalable. I think. I think. I think it's awesome. Like they, they've basically brought personal finance into one space. No one had really done mm-hmm. it while before. There's a few that have tried. You know, a few of the high yeah. street banks tried, but these guys have got that kind yeah. of that millennial Gen said market like in the palm of their yes. hand, right? So it's like it's super cool. You can invest. You can take loans. You can get better rates. You can do all your banking. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, how many stocks do you hold total? Okay, yeah, good question. So currently, as of today, um, is thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, that varies a lot between the years. Sometimes I'm up to sort of just below forty, but I will quickly bring that back down. Um, you know, I try to always be sort of twenty-five to thirty-five within that that bracket. Um, but it really depends if there's some massive opportunities out there and I can't say no, then I will Mm. dive in, but I I really do try and stick to sort of a 5% rule. I really don't want anything to go above that. Um, and I'm a big, big, big advocate of of trimming. And I think it's really important. Stocks had a good run. It's, it's going to come down at some point. It doesn't keep going up forever. It's Mm -hmm. just the way it is. So if you've got a chance to take your money off the table that you've already put in, you know, take that opportunity and then wait for a better price point. Uh, I believe that, that, you know, I've been doing that for years and it's, it's paid off for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I always like having some cash on the side, so I'll never be hundred percent all in. Sure. Um, so I just think it's really important, especially right now. And we've probably all been buying the dip since, mm-hmm. <laughs> since January, <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's the way it is. That right. We, we call it stockpiling. Again, this is another phrase used from uh, Phil town is you want to be buying as much as you can when the market's going down as one of his oh, favorite yeah. lines. He he's quoted as, when the market goes up, we make money. But when the market goes down, we get rich is his yeah. goal. For real. Yeah. Now, that's what we're saying to all of our readers right now. You know, we're getting messages left, right and center. And 
we got started last year and we're down 26%. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Keep going. You know, the, it, yeah. when we first had this conversation, what did we say? We said 10 years on an absolute minimum. Um, so yes. that's one of the things that we stress 10 years at an absolute minimum. We mm-hmm. won't be having that same conversation in 10 years. I, mean, I can almost bet my house on it. You know, I had a really good saying the other day, actually on the uh, Motley Fool podcast, uh, the Motley Fool Money radio show, they said, mm-hmm. um, if you bet on making a profit in one day from the Vanguard total stock market index, you have a 51.1% chance of making a profit. But if you left that money there for 10 years, that government, that percentage goes up to 97.8%. I will take that bet every yes. single day of the week, right? So yes, I I love the show. By the way, I listen to Molly Fool Money, one of my favorite shows as yeah. well. Yep. That's an amazing statistic. It shows you the power of patience, right? Yeah. So easy to teach people if you and if you show them that. And actually, actually, if you had a dollar cost average for every month for those 10 years, you'd be a millionaire. Yes. <laughs> yes. With the right amount, with the right investment amount. Mm-hmm. I will stress that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're putting small amounts, of course you won't be, but you will have made money, I believe, in that 10 years with, with, with my whole heart. So sure. Yeah. So we know what your strategy is. Let's talk about the results here. So can you share with us your returns? You know what your returns were in 2020? And how about your yeah. returns in 2021? Uh, it's a really mixed year. I was actually 2% down. In what year? In 2021. In 2021, you were negative 2, really? Yeah, I was negative 2, yeah. I had a storming uh, 2020, though. So I was 61% up. Okay. So I was paying for it and I got that. I made some portfolio changes around about February of 2021 that didn't really pay off. And I was, a, you know, we all do it. We we all do it. We all look at our portfolio and go, you think you made the wrong decision. And I actually went and moved again, um, which was the wrong move twice. So I got stung twice, but that's fine because I'd made 10, 20, probably 20 good, correct decisions before that. Even before the pandemic, uh, you know, portfolio was 21% year on year. I'm operating before this year, I'm operating at a 21.1% average over six years. Nice. Um, so it's pretty solid. Uh, but yeah, right now it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty tough. <laughs> that's, that's really good. I know um, I was talking to another customer of ours was... He was referring to Tobias Carlyle's strategy, and we're talking about his returns, which I we're breaking it down. It was only a percent better than the S&P 500. And I, I like Tobias. I've read uh, one of his books. Good guy. His strategy is somewhat value, somewhat uh, yeah. anti-value in a way. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think the average returns in S&P 500 in the last 10 years are like 14%. And he was returning about 16%. So you at 20, that's really nice work. Great. It, it was it was thanks to a couple of absolute stonking winners, you know, and mm-hmm. that and that's the way it is. I've done really really well off Tesla. I've done very very well off Netflix, and and I sold. I was lucky to sell at the peak and lucky not to ride it all the way down. So sure, you know, I've had some fantastic winners along the way, and there's some fantastic services out there which, um, you know, I think people should check out and there's a tech at the IO fund. You should check those guys out IO fund. So they do deep analysis into, into tech stocks. Um, so for example, they picked Roku when it was like 21 
and they they ride it all the way up and they yeah. tell you when to come out and um, so i i've done very well off those guys because they send you these beautiful nuggets right before they're about to take off mm. and yeah they've they've made they've made me <clears throat> some good returns awesome um, but i also listened to um howard Lindzen as well from panic of friends i don't know if you've um if you've checked him out he's a he's a guy from phoenix and He's a venture capitalist. He has a, he was the founder of StockTwits. Okay. Yeah. StockTwits. Yeah. So he, um, he's got a podcast. Yeah. So he talks about investing crypto, NFTs, all these, uh, these types of things, but he kind of takes like this, like step back approach and lets the guests talk about what they're interested in and then kind of actually really kind of takes the piss out of them a little bit which is quite good fun um so sure. yeah yeah i would i would highly suggest checking that out because i have definitely picked out some so a couple of really golden nuggets from from some of those podcasts so sure yeah well hey i'm at i'm at time here but i really want to get you on again and and to the listeners out there they're seeing a trend there's some people i bring on we talk about a few stocks and we break down um, the the four M's essentially of like yeah, yeah. three stocks, and I want to get you on in the next few weeks. See where they win. So <laughs> yes, let's 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 do that. Let's get All right. start thinking about three stocks. We'll get you back on. But um, I want to ask one question here. It's a fun one. It's a time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit, and what would you say? I would go back to eighteen, and I would have changed my university course that's what i would have done i studied music and <laughs> i was I, I because my family did it and I, I was never any good and so i, I would i would definitely i definitely have done something cooler <laughs> finance or business maybe <laughs> yeah yeah no, no it was more like i definitely would have done business like i should have done business um but yeah yeah i was i, I wanted to be a musician badly but i sucked so awesome <laughs> well i'll turn it over to you where can the audience reach you yeah so we're at upthegains.co.uk or upthegainsmoney on twitter and instagram and um, you can check us out on linkedin as well i'm personal page is samuel r king and um, so yeah come mm -hmm. say hi um, check out some of our articles, our investment uh, for beginners academy as well. There's loads of stuff in there. We can start from like what is a stock right through to like some cool some cool strategies or apps or anything like that that you think can help you. And um, so yeah, we, we're we're kind of an open book really. We just love helping people and, and getting them started and seeing their journey. So that yeah, that's that's us up the gains. Uk. Nice. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Sammy. This is great. No worries. Cheers, Sean. Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know your time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest's story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya.